in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word didn't stay in heaven. The Word became flesh. The story of God's grace became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. It is that Word, that truth, that story that will fill the world. That's why this year's Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in Knoxville, Tennessee is on lies, propaganda, storytelling, and the serrated edge. The Word is a sword. The Word is our glory. So join us October 6th through the 8th in Knoxville, Tennessee, as we fight, laugh, and feast with beer and psalms, speakers including Pastor Douglas Wilson, George Gilder, Ben Merkel, Jared Longshore, and myself. Chocolate Knox will be doing a roundtable with the Wilsons and Merkels on why stories are so potent for building family cultures that win all culminating in a live show with Megan Basham and Jason Whitlock and the Cross-Politic crew talking lies and journalism. And we just announced a one-day Saturday-only pass for just $99. If you can't make the entire conference, please consider coming out for Saturday. Find out more, register, and become a vendor at FightLaughFeast.com. This is Toby Sumter. Today's Friday, September 23rd, and this is your Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. Former President Donald Trump's assertion that he declassified documents seized at Mar-a-Lago has come under some judicial scrutiny this week as judges highlighted the limits of that defense and noted a lack of courtroom evidence substantiating it. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Mr. Trump has for weeks said he declassified materials taken to Mar-a-Lago, his home in Florida, like many presidents in the past have done. Well, not to Mar-a-Lago, but you know, to their own houses. In a Fox News interview that aired Wednesday night, he said a sitting president doesn't need to have a formal process for declassifying documents and can carry out such an order even by thinking about it. Mr. Trump's lawyers have been a little more circumspect in their courtroom statements. They have said declassification is a potential defense they may raise later on once they have a better understanding of what was seized, but haven't asserted that any specific documents were declassified yet. Even those lawyers' carefully worded statements drew scrutiny this week from both an appeals court and the court-appointed arbiter tasked with reviewing the approximately 11,000 documents seized at Mar-a-Lago. Senior U.S. District Judge Raymond Deary, the semi-retired jurist serving as special master, sometimes I serve as a special master too, just kidding, has pressed for specific evidence of a declassification order telling Mr. Trump's lawyers at a hearing this week, you can't have your cake and eat it. Oh, well, that's a very brilliant line, Judge Deary. And in a written order on Wednesday, the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals noted the lack of evidence at this point validating Mr. Trump's declassification defense. Plaintiffs suggest that he may have declassified these documents when he was president, the unanimous three-judge panel said, but the record contains no evidence that any of these records were declassified. And before the special master, plaintiff resisted providing any evidence that he had declassified any of these documents. The three-judge panel, which included two Trump-appointed judges, also called the declassification argument a red herring. Even if Mr. Trump had declassified the documents, the appeals court said they wouldn't convert them from government records into his personal property or establish a reason for him to have retained them. Again, remember, previous presidents have taken many documents with them, and um, usually uh, the government just works with them and figures out how to best keep them safe. Classical Conversation supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview and fellowship with other families. They provide a classical Christ-centered curriculum, local like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and they train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit their website 
at classicalconversations.com. Again, that's classicalconversations.com. This next news piece coming out of Moscow, Idaho, New St. Andrews College, one of only a handful of colleges across the United States to refuse federal money is taking a stand against the White House's attempt to cancel federal student loans and is calling on more schools to speak out against Biden's plan. Redistributing federal student loan debt to taxpayers reinforces poor financial decisions, ruins the public's trust in higher ed, exacerbates our current inflationary economy, penalizes colleges that decline to take federal funding, and prolongs higher education's game of hide-and-seek with financial realities, said Dr. Ben Merkel, president of the Idaho-based Christian Liberal Arts College. I've been referring to this as our big ed problem, Dr. Merkel said. I believe more and more parents and students have added higher ed to a growing list of other big businesses that abuse power to get easy money. Dr. Merkel added that many political leaders on both sides of the aisle can see the road this is taking us down and how it drives higher ed to an even more precarious position than it's already in. Dr. Merkel gave three reasons why more colleges should oppose this new program. First, Biden's plan doesn't really cancel student loan debt. It just redistributes it to other taxpayers, many of whom did not attend college or have already paid back their debt. Adding more taxes to already overtaxed households to cover someone else's bad debt is not equitable, fair, or right. Second, moving the debt from the students who signed up for the student loan payments in the first place to the taxpayers who didn't will create a series of ripple effects that will be hard to rein in. Our nation's young people will learn that loans don't need to be paid back and taxpayers will grow more skeptical and bitter toward higher ed. Further, each successive generation will expect the federal government to bail them out of their higher ed debt. Third, the more that higher education participates in these federal loan programs, the more it becomes dependent on federal handouts. If the federal government is the primary funder of post-secondary education in America, then colleges and universities are disincentivized to perform better or to offer improved services to their primary consumers, students, and parents. Essentially, we are fostering yet another industrial complex where American industry and the government are embroiled in a too-big-to-fail mindset that fosters highly irresponsible financial behaviors. Meanwhile, colleges that decline to take federal funding must work even harder to compete for students against institutions that are artificially propped up by the government and where the true cost of education is obscured by a loan cancellation program. Related, Republican Missouri Senator Josh Hawley will introduce legislation this Wednesday that puts colleges and universities on the hook for student debt. The bill was first obtained by the Daily Caller, and it's titled the Make the Universities Pay Act. I like just the sound of that. The legislation will require institutions of higher education participating in the federal direct student loan programs to pay 50% of any student loan balance that is in default. The Make the Universities Pay Act would also allow student loan debt to be discharged in bankruptcy and allow undergraduate student loan debt to be discharged five years after the first payment is due, while graduate student loan can be discharged 15 years after the first payment is due. In addition, the bill requires each institution of higher education participating in federal financial aid programs to publish postgraduate outcomes, including mean and median earnings of graduates and student loan default rates, 
disaggregated by each degree or program of study. The Biden administration is taking executive action, attempting to forgive $10,000 per borrower. The move would clear $321 billion of federal student loans and clear the student debt for almost 12 million people, according to CNBC. For decades, universities have amassed billion-dollar endowments while teaching nonsense like men can get pregnant, all while charging extortionary tuition. Now Joe Biden wants to give away another $1 trillion to prop up that system. That's wrong. Instead, it's time to put universities on the hook and give students the information they need to make informed decisions, Holly told the Daily Caller before introducing the legislation. Holly plans on introducing the legislation later Wednesday afternoon. The Psalm of the Day is Psalm 115. Remember, the gods of the nations, they are idols. They're made of silver and gold and stone, They have eyes but can't see, ears but can't hear, hands but can't save, noses but can't smell, mouths but they can't taste. And all who worship them and make them become like them. But all those who serve the living God become like him and live under his blessing. Of gold and silver are their gods, which men craft carefully. And give them mouths that cannot speak, and eyes that cannot see. Though they have ears they cannot hear, their nose no scent has found. Their hands can't feel, their feet can't walk, their throats can make no sound. Who And amen. This is Toby Sumter with Cross Politic News. Remember, you can always find the links to our news stories in these psalms at crosspolitic.com. Just click on the daily news brief and follow the links. Or find them on our app. Just search Fight, Laugh, Feast in your favorite app store and never miss a show. We're now doing a daily show with daily backstage content for Fight, Laugh, Feast Club members. So you'll want to join if you haven't already. Get access to the backstage as well as, of course, a discount at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in Knoxville, Tennessee, October 6th through the 8th. Have a great weekend.